2: Hello, Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Hi everybody, welcome back to The Shift. I hope you guys are all well. I'm very excited about this uh, week's episode. It's with Dr. Batsheva. She's a sexual therapist and... This I read her book, it's called Sex Points, and you guys can get it, I think, today. Um, or if you go onto her Instagram, um, and I'll have a link in the description to go get the book. But it was absolutely brilliant. Like I was able to fly through it because it was so interesting, it was also funny. Um, fantastic book. Mainly now talks about like women's problems, but at the end there's also a section on men's problems and kind of us as women understanding that and for men too, it's a great read for you to understand while women go through. So Really would highly recommend it. Um, I even one of the lads, I gave it to him to have a look and he was like, jeez, this is great. So get the book. It basically talks about um kind of issues with uh, your sex life, a but- book all the multiple reasons and factors that could be so not just like for an example if you're like can't orgasm and you're like oh it's just because i'm in my head but actually that there could be all these other reasons and so she does um a hundred point system like a questionnaire you fill it in and then you figure out where your points are and she has like a diagram it's arousal desire pain orgasm and so you could be like multiple things it could be you need to focus on figuring out how to fix your desire or like pain management or she has a chapter on working on orgasms or arousal and the difference between all of these so it's just brilliant and I have a chat with her and we talk about everything and I'm very excited for you guys to hear this episode so I'm going to start it and I'll talk to you at the end. Oh and also before I start this episode if you want to sign up to the Patreon the video is up there so the Patreon forward slash the shift podcast and there's also solo episodes as well where I just talk more about my private You know, life like a little diary entry sort of style solo apps So yeah, please sign up. It's pay what you want for now, and um, there's uh next week's episode is it'll be up there as well. So because we already recorded that last week. So yeah, go have a go have a little Patreon subscribe. Um, because you know it's start of the month, so you get loads of content. Um, and anyway, I'm just gonna start this episode. So enjoy. How are you? I love your I love your studio. I know. Yeah. My beautiful bed, <laughs> which awesome. is not made.
1: <laughs> you can just make a background of your bed and have that like everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Well, it shows my my art.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Where are you?
0: I'm in Astoria, Queens. Yes, yeah. But I'm okay, from Ireland good. originally. You no, know, obviously,
1: but I just didn't know if like we were on the same time zone right now. Where are you, are you in New York? Yeah, I'm in okay. Riverdale in the Bronx.
0: Oh wow. Okay, great, great. I, I read your whole book
1: oh wow okay somebody who's interviewing
0: me who actually read the book are we yeah. already taping or no? no we're taping I did skip um like a, a couple of bits I skipped the last bit where it said what therapist do you need and then I skipped a bit about uh pain just a little bit but I just yeah I yeah, really yeah. Sped read through <laughs> it but I find it very clearly, interesting
1: oh good clearly pain wasn't your issue because you wouldn't have skipped that so <laughs> now I know a lot about you already <laughs>
0: But I know a lot of friends who have suffered with pain as well. So I thought it was great. Like everything you hit on, I've heard either people have wrote into the podcast that's been their issue or even friends. So it's great to like, even for myself, I found it very interesting. It wasn't like painful reading through it, like being like, oh, no, I have to. Thank
1: God.
0: Thank God. That was my
1: whole. I have to be honest, my kids laugh at this book, not because they think it's about sex because they're God, Lord knows they're used to my talking about sex. But they're like, it's too chatty and friendly. I'm like, it's supposed to be chatty and friendly. That's what it's supposed to be. So that makes me feel really, really good, Katie.
0: Good, because that's what I liked about it. There's parts of it where I was laughing and it makes it seem like, I know it; these are all serious issues, but it makes it seem not serious. It makes it f- seem very much like, okay, you can, you can get, you can control this. You can work on this. You can do this. You could do
1: that was the entire, that was the entire point of this book. Like people think of sex as being, uh, uh, am I going all over the place? You want me to shut up or do you want me? To no, it's going? great. This is perfect. <laughs>
0: this is exactly what so, the podcast is. <laughs>
1: perfect. I know. That's a, so people, um, Yeah. People always think of sex as like, especially women, often if their sex life isn't working well, they just they don't they don't want to think about it. They feel like there's something broken about them. There's something wrong. It's like they'll never fix it. It feels so hopeless. And everything about this book is trying to say it's not a magic thing. It's actually pretty simple. If somebody makes it clear to you and you can fix this, you can make this better. I promise you, you can make this better, Katie. That that is like so it makes me feel so good for you to say that because that means the world to me.
0: No, good, because I even feel like a, a lot of our what we were trying to hit on with this podcast was just making it not seem as like shameful or hard to talk about. When it's easy to talk about, you're able to figure out stuff. It's it's like anything.
1: Totally, totally. And if it wasn't your podcast now, I would say, you. I need you to tell me how you came up with this idea of this podcast and how you started doing it. And you could tell me if you want, then
0: you can just edit it out. <laughs> well, actually, the, I used to host it with uh, a guy who's famous in Ireland. And he, he, we stopped hosting it together just because he just during the pandemic was like, I don't want to do this podcast anymore. Like he's still, he actually, I think your assistant emailed him and then he sent the email to me and he was like, okay, oh, the, uh, doctor, how do you pronounce your name? Bathsheva. Sheva. It's Butcheva.
1: hard. Nobody gets it right. Dr. Batsheva, And my last name is Marcus. It's super easy and you don't have to call me doctor. You can just say that <laughs> <Okay. up. laughs> if you can get that out. And I'm like, laughing. yeah, I'm laughing. I say to my patients, um, I'm Dr. Marcus. So you can call me Bachava if you, that doesn't scare you. You can call me Dr. Marcus if it's too hard to pronounce Bachava.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. But yeah, we just, um, he came to me and he said he wanted to do a podcast that had an Irish woman on it. He's originally from America, but he lives in Ireland. Um, and just to talk about sex without shame and kind of sex topics and make it less taboo. And he was a bit nervous at the start that I'd be too innocent for it. But actually, then he was like, oh, that worked out really well because during the podcast like it was the first time I watched porn it was the first time I used a vibrator like no one was talking to me about this stuff I hadn't I didn't masturbate until I moved over to America so
1: what made him come to you then oh you were not uh masturbation porn and vibrator (laughs) queens.
0: no I did um a comedy set on his he was working at this big club here and I did a set there and he he even said it to my best friend before he said I've asked Katie but I think she might be too innocent but I'm gonna do a test episode with her and he said just because I was open to talk about the subjects he was like okay this is actually because he was like yeah I think a lot of women messaged in them being like that they were more aligned with me as in they wanted to know, but they didn't know, or they're afraid relatable. to. Relatable. You were very relatable to them.
1: So I think that that's so true. I feel like everybody there's this weird thing maybe about sex, which is that everybody thinks that everybody knows more than they do. Right. Like everybody thinks that they're abnormal. Everybody thinks something wrong with me. I'm abnormal. Or everybody knows more than I do. And I, I just, I need to, for people to know that that is just not true because sex is so individual. Like it's so individual. So it doesn't, you know, I got a letter through whatever the other day from this woman who's back to dating after she was married for 20 years, something, divorced. And she's the idea of starting with a new partner is totally scary to her. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, everybody, when you start with a new partner, it's a brand new experience. Like we're all nervous and we're all
0: scared. And like, just know that he's probably just as scared as you are. So just wanted to say that. No, which is great. And which is great for, for people to hear, like, even I like I'm very comfortable now two years later talking about sex but still when I get a new partner I'm like you know even the I love giving blow jobs but a blow job with a new partner I'm like what if you like something different so you just have to it's like the first day you start a new job it's always nerve-wracking the first day it's always nerve-wracking
1: yeah totally but the truth is and I talk about this a little bit in the book Katie, and I'd be actually curious what your thoughts are about this as well which is that that nervousness that scariness that's hot there's something kind of hot about that and that Um, you know, so sometimes people will get in touch with me or are in relationships with patients who've been in a relationship for a long time and starting to get boring and dull. And so they're maybe thinking about doing something new, but they feel like so awkward about it. Like, you know, oh my God, if I've been with this guy for like, I don't know, a year or two. And if I ask him to tie me up now, like, oh my God, like, what's he going to think? And I'm like, that awkwardness is great because that, if you think about early in a relationship when the sex is the most hot, it's often because there's that like little sense of danger, just enough, just a little touch of danger and scaredness of awkwardness. And that could be great. So
0: yeah, I like that as well. That when you're saying that it reminds me of when you said on the book that a lot of people will say if there's problems in a long term relationship, and it's stuff that we've had people on the podcast say before, oh, you just need to communicate, you need to talk. So it was great hearing your perspective, where it's like, oh, actually, maybe it's more like that bringing in novelty again, or
1: Yeah, I think we have gotten to a place in our society where we somehow privilege, like verbal communication and talking over physical. So almost always when there starts to be a sexual problem in the relationship, um, women for sure, but men, I think also start thinking, oh, there must be problems in the relationship. Well, there may be problems in the relationship because the sex is bad and because you aren't having sex anymore. That may be why. Why do you assume, why do we always run down that rabbit hole of assuming that just because there's a problem with sex life. It means there's other big problems in the relationship. And I feel like it creates all kinds of problems. And some of that is because, you know, if you go to a therapist and I always joke around, like if you go to a therapist and you say to the therapist, our sex life is in the toilet and the therapist says, okay, well, we're going to work on your communication and then everything's going to get better. I, I say like, grab your checkbook and run for the hills, like bad, bad advice, bad advice. Like you can be in a good relationship and still have crappy sex. So I always say like, you want a therapist who understands that the sex contributes to the relationship. Also like you, if you make the sex better, sometimes the relationship the whole relationship gets better. And I could talk about that for an hour and a half. So I'm not going to, you tell, you know, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, but it's, it is great to hear as well that there's like, well, obviously now people will have to read the book, but there's just so many other factors to consider. And that was the thing, reading the book as well as like, Jesus, there is so many factors that I never even considered. So let's say you have the 100 point system. So people do fill in a questionnaire and then that can kind of figure out where maybe the problems are. Did you take the questionnaire? I actually didn't take the questionnaire, but I should have. But you know what?
1: Um, It's fine. And it's electronic. So if you buy the book, you can do it manually. But also there's a link. So you have a a pre-order copy. You have like a fancy person gallery copy, but, um, so you don't have the link, but if you go to my website, Dr. Bachava, um, well, you have to by the book. The book gives you the link and you can do the whole thing online. So I can get you the link so you can do it and just push some buttons as opposed to sit there and animal. I don't know about you, but I don't love now. So adding up three and four and seven, it's like, so are you kidding me bachava Anyway? So, um, yeah, so anyhow, so you didn't do the questionnaire, but you like the point system.
0: Yeah, and I can see just from reading the question. And now, right now I'm in a position where I'm not in a relationship. Um, I'm horny all the time. So I'd say I'm probably high up on the hundred point system. I've dealt with a lot of shame. I'm like, whatever, I'll, you know, do most things. You're in a great place. Great place. But I yes. can see from the point system when I was in a serious relationship back in Ireland, like just reading it, I was like, Oh, that was me. And it would have been great to have understood it at the time. Um, I think for me, my my issue was that. Uh, probably birth control and uh definitely because when i came off it I, my sex drive uh, back. but i could see even the other points as well i was like oh yeah if i had have been able to understand it a bit better now in hindsight i'm delighted that that relationship ended <laughs> but if i had been like you know in my 30s wanted to keep in that relationship um it would have been good to know mm-hmm. for sure so yeah so let me so let
1: me just spend a minute talking about how this point system works yes. is that okay yeah that'd oh, be great okay, right okay great so um So we tend to think like women will come into my office and they'll like plunk themselves down on a chair and they'll say like, what's broken with my sex life, but like, let's fix it. Like, as if it's a light switch, like there's one thing that's broken, let's get it working. Like, let's say it's, you know, my relationship or my shame with my body, or I'm too busy at work or um, birth control pills. And um, what I've found over the years is really, really helpful to my patients is that stop thinking about this as like a binary on off one, two, situation, and let's start thinking about it as you need a hundred points. You have to hit a hundred point threshold in order to have a good sex life. And so that hundred, those hundred points can come from all the things you and I started talking about, Katie, right? It can come from um, birth control pills being on or off of them. It can come from other medications that you're on. It can come from hormones that you have. It can come from your relationship. It can come from the hot newness of the relationship. It can come from using of toys or vibrators. It can come from um, your like physical state, like, are you exhausted? Is that doing things to your hormones? This, everything is interrelated with everything else. And um, and when you get enough points or there's enough points coming from different places and you hit that hundred point threshold, you're gonna have good sex and it's gonna be fine. But when you don't hit that hundred point threshold, you start feeling like you're crazy, but you're just not interested in sex or the sex isn't working well, if you don't get turned on or there's pain. Um, And so the questionnaire, basically, you do the questionnaire at the end, you end up with these four areas, four quadrants. Desire, do I want to have sex? Arousal, do I get turned on? Which is a different thing, which we could talk about. Pain, are there pain issues that are creating a problem? And orgasm, am I having trouble with orgasm? And how are those things, where am I scoring on those things? And how are those things affecting all the other quadrants? So um, does that sound really confusing?
0: No, 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 not at all. I think it's really good for people, because I know any of my friends who ever had an issue or even people who have been on sometimes will just say, oh, it could be one thing. But I think what's good about this is it's saying it could be multiple things.
1: Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to use like, uh, let's say, let's take a 19 year old woman named Tammy. I'm just going to use this as an example. And she has 90 points from her own physical hormone profile, right? She's got like She's in great health, you know, everything's working. She's got a lot of testosterone in her system because she's young and estrogen in her system. She's 90 points. She can have sex with anybody. She can meet somebody at, you know, the county fair and she mm-hmm. could go into the back of the barn and have great sex with this person. She only needs 10 points. And she still like looks at the guy, the guy's kind of hot, so that's it. She's at a hundred. She has sex and it's all good and it's all fine. So now let's take Tammy and like, let's say it's five years later and she meets this great new guy. Give me a name, Katie. Uh, Paul. Paul. She meets Paul. That's the, male, that's the name of one of our sex therapists in the Men's Center. He's going to be so flattered when he hears this. Anyway, Tammy meets Paul and uh, he's it's hot, new, and erotic. says so 30 points. And she falls in love with Paul. So that's another 30 points. So now she's got 150 points. If I did my math right. But yes. And she's great. And even if Paul acts like an asshole sometimes. And even if work is overwhelming and she doesn't have time like in her life, she's losing 30 or 40 points, it doesn't matter. She's still over the 100 points and she's doing just fine. But let's say Tammy marries Paul and they're now 30 and her hormones were down a little bit. So now she only has 70 points from herself and it's not so hot and neurotic, erotic but she's still in love with him. So she's kind of at that 100 point and she's doing okay. Their sex life is fine until they have a kid banging at the door that takes away some points or her hormone levels go down or she gets, she gets on birth control pills and that takes away some points. So now Tammy's not doing well at all. She's 90 points. She doesn't, go to her gynecologist and the gynecologist and will you, say something you, like
0: you broke up there after 90 points i think the interest okay a little
1: bit so you said Sorry, that- i'll start up again yes so now Tammy's at 90 points and she's not doing well at all anymore like she does doesn't she's not interested in having sex she's kind of dragging herself to have sex she's not interested she starts to feel like maybe she's getting some pain because they're not having sex very often um so what normally happens is the women then go to their gynecologist in this situation katie Are you hearing me? Okay. I'll keep nodding. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So normally they go to their gynecologist and the gynecologist trying their best to help. will say something like, well, Tammy, how was it when you were on vacation? And Tammy will say, I was fine when I was on vacation actually. And then the doctor will say, well then it must be psychological Tammy. And then Tammy leaves and she feels worse than when she started because she doesn't live in Cancun. She can't stay in Cancun. She's not living on vacation. Right. So, so, my, I come back and I say to Tammy, yes, you're right. Vacation gave you 10 more points. That's great. That just tells me that you're not that below the threshold that we can't find you the points. Now let's look together at what things, changes we can make in your medications, and there's plenty of those. Hormonally, what can we do? Can we work on your fantasy life a little bit and see if we can get that going a little better? Can we work on the way you see your partner a little bit differently? Can we work on setting up your life so the kids aren't walking in on you when you're having sex? Can we get rid of that little bit of pain? Like all of those pieces are gonna get your point profile up till you're back to having a good sex life. I'm sorry that was a very very very
0: long speech Katie. No 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 no, it's great because it is saying because you're dead right and people will hear that oh when you go on holidays and they, like it's like that's not fair well I can only have sex then once a year exactly. or like multiple sex so it's like literally exactly. just bringing how can you make your current environment so solve the problems for every single day um which well, that's is great idea
1: so sex points yeah. is really trying to say I want you, I bunch I want you reader to have a really good sex life and it's good. And I think that is really doable for everybody. And here's a little guideline on how to do it. So that is, that's how I, and I try to set it up kind of like choose your own adventure. Yeah. Like if you have, yeah. Like if you don't, if you have low points here, try looking at chapter eight, 11 and 12.
0: Right. No, exactly. And I had different stories. So I had stories from women who are menopausal, I had stories from women who are younger and like, like even what you said about hormones, like I didn't know that your hormone, like that, that could affect your sex drive. I had no idea. And it makes sense because my personal experience was I was on Dianette, which is for your skin. So reading your book, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because it took away my testosterone, which I didn't even know as a woman I have. That helps for sex. Like there's some, there's literally, we should all go through like years course on learning this stuff. This is like, this should be like brushing your teeth. We should know about this. No,
1: it's crazy, Katie. And I think that one of the things that's, it's kind of new because I feel like until maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago, everybody always said it was all psychological. I don't even, I don't even freaking know what psychological means. Psychological is so it, 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 it's such a reaction to what's happening chemically in your body, right? Like they used to think, they used to think when you had your period, people, when you're on your period that women went like nuts, right? They got moody. Well, the moodiness was because of hormonal imbalances. Like what, what are you thinking, folks? When you see, Katie, when you see, or we used to pre-COVID, see two 17 year olds who were like climbing all over each other at the movie theater, it wasn't because he sent her flowers or they just had a really meaningful conversation right? Like their <laughs> hormones are raging. They couldn't, right? Their hormones. So wh- why don't we not then all of a sudden you're 45 and you're not that interested in sex, but nobody thinks about the hormones anymore. Oh, that's not important. Like, are you, I, I don't even, the disconnect is mind boggling once, you, like, exactly what you're saying, Katie, like it's so mind boggling once you get that. So the, the experience you had with, when people have it with Accutane or they have it with um, birth control pills, do you know that dermatologists give women birth control pills to help their skin? Well, that's great, except that what, they're anti They just kill all the testosterone in your body. And then these poor 18 year old girls are like, I don't have interest in sex. I mm-hmm. Something's wrong with me. I must be asexual. And I'm like, uh, no. Like somebody has just robbed you of every last yeah. element of testosterone. I'm sorry. I'm no, and on, i on, I'm not I you. agree
0: with it because they put me on it for four years. Now I haven't. That was. Seven years ago, and I'll never go on birth control again. Even though my gynecologist is trying to insist on it, I'm like, I don't care. I like, I'm not doing it. Um, but the thing with that was, yeah, it cleared up my skin, and that's great. But you clear up your skin because you want to feel more attractive, and in turn, then I wasn't enjoying sex. And then secondly, as soon as I went off it, because it's not, you have to go off it at some stage. My skin just came back bad again. Now it's fine now, but I think maybe in hindsight, if I had just lived with it for a few years, it probably would have cleared up quicker. Or, you know, on its own. I, I don't, on its yeah. own. I think I mean, birth control pills are so complicated. I mean, some people don't just, so you know,
1: Katie, it's, we don't understand. We're just at the beginning of this. We don't understand. Some women have receptors that do fine. They're on birth control pills and it does not destroy their libidos or their interest in sex or their ability to get aroused or anything like that. But some women, a immediately react or react a few years later. And some women, cause your vagina, and I talked about this in the book your vagina is so sensitive to hormonal balances. Your vagina is the first thing to feel it. And so some women, they get on birth control pills and they start having pain after a a few months or six months. And they go back to the doctor and they're like, I'm having pain when I'm having sex. It's killing me when I'm having intercourse. And the doctor's like, well, it's not the birth control. I'm like, of course it's the birth control, but but that doesn't mean everybody's like that. So if you're listening to this and you're happy on your birth control and you're okay, that's great. There is a lot of women that that's true about. So I always wanna make sure that that's clear.
0: And so for women who do have the hormonal uh, or sorry, the bad effects with with birth control, you recommended uh, IUD. You were saying that there's way less hormones in it, which I didn't know because I would have been nervous getting a hormone because I just would have read hormonal IUD. And I was like, but after reading this, I was like, oh, maybe I should get an IUD. I think you should think about an IUD. I, so I, we love IUDs, so the IUDs
1: come in a lot of different kinds. So the copper IUD has no hormones whatsoever, but the copper IUD, and it's good for 10 years, but it does make your period come usually stronger than you normally have it. So if you're somebody who really does not like that bleeding thing happening, that may not be the one for you. The Mirena IUD, comes with a little bit of progesterone, but it's really local progesterone. So it really is intended and mostly for most women stays just locally in your uterus. And so it doesn't have all the effects that changing your hormones have. That's not to say that there aren't some women who still react to it, but I we're, we love the IUD for young women. It seems, and it also makes period like weaker and weaker until it disappears. So for people who really don't love having a period, I'm like, go get an ID, like just go get it because it's gonna make your life easier that's so you great. should katie we can talk I'll... we
0: can talk about your birth
1: control yeah,
0: i'm so my gynecologist hates me because i'm just like nope <laughs> and i just i use condoms but she's like that's not a hundred and i'm like oh i'm fine well, no no, i think that's i do think using condoms is great as i'm you know but
1: i just think it's like a little bit of a pain sometimes like it would be if you want to not have well you're if you don't have a steady partner anyway so you should no. probably be using condoms regularly anyway even if it's not just birth control it's like other other you know STI issues so, yeah I guess
0: the, I'll have to think about it if I ever get into a serious relationship but um... it's just it's just around the corner Katie if you want it, <laughs> like, you don't want it nice. my success <laughs> <laughs> rate is very low <laughs> Listen,
1: everybody listening to this podcast she's amazing okay. <laughs> you, okay. must, you don't get that you don't get people reaching out to you all the time in the podcast oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no no the problem you do oh (laughs) my god yeah no no (laughs) that's not the the problem problem no I'm sure the problem is not that but I think it's I just really occurred to me like oh my god you're running this podcast and you're single you must have like you must have dms like all day long about like
0: oh my god Katie I need to date you yeah yeah. and I've dated two fans and I'll tell you I've lost two fans (laughs) (laughs) that is okay
1: can I tell you Katie there is a book in that there's a book in that okay dating your dating your fans dating I love that that's you have the title even dating your fans I'll buy
0: a
2: book I'll
1: be your first buy book buyer yeah
0: okay good yeah yeah because they definitely have you on a pedestal and you know they're they're following they're in in the girl the girl on the thing or they can't it's just it doesn't work out but that's okay I learned that the hard way so nice nice lads but it's a bit of you know it's a just it never dated. occurred
1: to me until we had that conversation that, of course, you're going to get stuck in that situation all the time. Oh, my God. Okay.
0: But yeah, no. So I guess it's actually better, I think, for a person who is like heavy on the internet to meet someone who doesn't know their internet presence and gets to know them first. Yeah, because... that would be my
1: husband. My husband does not want his face to be seen and on any of my Instagram. Like, seriously, because like, sometimes hear him laughing, but I think there's a whole... Genre of public women, private men. With them, just so you know, I think like I, I meet I often meet women who are like out there speaking and on social media and stuff, and they're like, my partner is super private, and I was like, oh god, there's a whole there's a whole group of us. So Katie, you can join the group when you when you find a private guy.
0: Yeah, I do think I think like yeah, I think the guy I'll end up will be like. But once they have to trust that I don't say their private business, that's one thing I always say to a guy on a first date. I'm like, I know I post a lot of jokes. A lot of them are jokes or I've asked permission before because I have dated guys who haven't who've enjoyed being involved in the jokes and stuff. So or have done like videos with me and stuff. But um, I do give that a heads up. But I'm sure some private men are just terrified. They're like, I don't want her to get on and talk about my bits even though I don't do that I'm like what the fuck (laughs) I haven't actually done that
1: (laughs) it's scary people are scared you know I get it but people are scared because I could see people thinking oh my god she's just dating me in order to get more funny stories and it's like I don't want any more
0: funny stories I want to just start writing jokes about tea I'm like I feel like it's a joke at this stage that I keep dating like the most well you've seen that you've seen that thing about tea
1: and consent getting consent is like drinking a cup of tea please I'm sure you've seen it no you haven't seen that no are you serious? No, it, I'm it sorry to like God. It was a cartoon? No. The dr- drinking, drinking, getting consensus like a cup of tea. Like if you ask somebody and they say no, the answer is no. If, do, if they ask you for tea and you start making it and they change their mind, the answer is still no. I'm going to send this to you right after this. Do because I did a
0: joke. I did a joke. I got in a bit of trouble for it, but like only, only, and it was only by men because they interpreted it wrong. But I actually did a joke about how in Ireland, if you say you're coming back for tea, it means that sex might be on the table.
1: You, you might, so like, if you're going back up to your apartment for tea. Yeah, you,
0: it's usually an indicator that it might be, but it might still be a no. But you can you can kind of take that chance that it might be on the table. So that's so like, that's saying, interesting. would you like to come up for drink?
1: Yeah, you know? I guess. Yes. Say
0: tea, yes. Yeah. But oh, we wow. would say, say
1: like tea in Ireland. We're in America, we—that's <laughs> I, I, so backwards. I feel like Ireland is so much more the drinking place. Oh my gosh
0: yeah no I feel like now all the Irish listeners are gonna be like what are you talking about Katie I always say come back for a drink <laughs> <laughs> okay but I would totally
1: send you this tea is like consent it's like the, it's hysterical you're gonna I can't believe you haven't seen it I will I was making okay, rounds
0: a couple of years ago maybe it was maybe it was four years
1: ago and I no know. this is great anyway,
0: my whole brand is tea I'm a whore for tea I love tea my oh my brand. god I have to show you my tea box okay, okay. Yeah, I have
1: one as well yes oh, so great oh, I'll have to so send scary. you Irish
0: tea <laughs> oh yeah
1: well I have to do decaf I'm an old lady and so that's I need okay.
0: decaf okay I have some decaf Irish tea as well because I'm getting totally to that well. all right
1: so after this podcast we'll, we'll reconvene and do our tea thing
0: perfect I want to ask you so with the 100 points then what you broke it down into was the four arousal desire orgasm and pain and I know a lot of Women who've wrote in into our podcast is struggling with orgasm. But then even when you said about arousal and desire is that the two of them are different. I didn't know that they were different. So that was really interesting. And then I guess pain as well. But um, I guess we'll start with arousal and desire.
1: Yeah, you and the rest of the world mix those two things up. Just I know because it's so easy to mix them up. But let me try to define them. And, and they're very overlapped. I don't want to suggest that they live completely independently. So desire is I wanted to have sex. I'm interested in having sex. And arousal is—I get turned on when I'm having sex. And when you think about it, those are actually quite different. And the easiest way for me to explain how they're different is that I have patients who have no desire. They, they're let's say they're married for a bunch of years. They're not interested in having sex with their partner. And then they say to me, What's really crazy is when we do have sex, it's good. I get really turned on. I have an orgasm. It's really good. But then I don't want to do it again. And and my husband is like." what the fuck, like, I don't understand. Like if it was bad sex, I get it, but it's not bad sex, it's good. And you had a great time. And so what's going on here? And I think that we're just starting to see that there may be different neurological pathways to those things. But I do know for sure that addressing them separately is super helpful for women. Because if I turn to you and I say to you, Katie, if I could wake the magic wand and the sex would be good, would you wanna have sex? And you say to me, of course you definitely then, then I know that it's an arousal problem. Like if it's it's, you're not turned on, you want to have sex, but you're just not getting turned on. You can't get that like list of things you have to do out of your head. You're you're not getting like tingly and wet and you you know what I mean? So, and I feel like for women separating out those issues can be so helpful to them. So, um, so those are, that is desire is I want to have sex. Even theoretically, I want to have sex, right? Like I love this person. I want to have sex with them or, I just want to have sex in life or I never, ever, ever want to have sex. And I'm not dating because I'm so disinterested in having sex. That's a, that's a desire issue.
2: And that may live.
1: How do you change that though? How do you kind of change your desires? So you go to chapter eight, 12 (laughs) and 13. So yeah. So you, you, the first thing I would do in this case is try to figure out maybe what's happening physically. Like, are you on birth control pills? Okay. Are you on anti-anxiety medication? Are you? Um, are you? You know, have you just had a baby? And so, you know, hold on. So a mess. Like, there's all these physical things. Let's look at those physical things. Then I would say, now let's look at your brain. Have you shut your brain down? Can we get your brain going again? And many times I'll find that women, we can we talk about fantasies. I think women just shut their brain down they shut their brain down either because they feel like they shouldn't be thinking about certain things they're ashamed to be thinking about certain things they stopped using it they just never used their fantasy life and so it just disappeared basically I'll, I'll
0: tell you i've never when i was reading in your book about the fantasies like i can orgasm no problem now that i figured i had to do it but i never fantasize i'm just like thinking of like the sky i don't know what i'm thinking of so it was interesting reading that and being like oh jesus maybe i should start so, Katie, yeah. I'm going to say to you, yes, you should. And
1: I'm going to say to you right now, you don't need to, you're, you're work, work, so there. Thank you, Katie. You just hit it. You're working. You're at hundred points without the, the brain and the fantasies, yeah. but at a point when you're a little bit older, maybe, or they put you back on some medication that maybe brings down your points a little bit. Or yeah, you just get older and your hormones aren't working as over time as they are right now, Katie. (laughs) Or you're in a long-term relationship, you love the person, but you know, it's a little boring. Any of those things can take points away. That's when you're gonna really need your brain. You need your brain to be able to turn on and turn off. And um, I talk about something called neuroplasticity, which sounds really big and complicated, but it just means that the parts of your brain that you're using get healthy and rich with blood and with neurotransmitters and cell rejuvenation. And when you stop using a part of your brain, it prunes it down. It stops, it just, the brain doesn't use that part anymore. So the more that you fantasize, the more that part of your brain gets better at doing what it's doing. And it's amazing how it can turn around. The problem is that women often feel like, um, they somehow fantasizing feels like something that should happen to you spontaneously, as opposed to like, something you actually have to work on to get started but it is something if you haven't used that part of your brain it's work in the beginning and it's a but it's worth investing in and so that is i often talk with women with low desire i'll talk about reading erotica more than women seem to respond better to audio like i think to listening to stories erotic stories have you ever done that
0: no Amy? i didn't even know i'm so i didn't even it never even occurred to me that that was a thing okay so there's
1: a website you might want to or an app you might want to have called dipsy okay that is actors reading erotic stories and you can pick you can pick like vanilla sex you could pick like hot crazy kinky sex you could pick women on women men and women bisexual groups you can anyway and they're they're actors reading the stories and the more you can i'm look i'm all about your are translating into your own brain right like the more you can get your own brain to fantasize the better you know why because you can make people look the way you want sound they can have this cute little irish accent if you want that or if you like a different accent you could have that so it's much better for you to be able to create scenarios in your own head but to get started reading erotica listening to erotica i find very very powerful for women watching is good too but somehow that works better for the guys guys out there you can let me know if you think i you agree with me but i'm pretty sure in general um visual erotica works better for men and audio or reading works better for women
0: yeah and i liked what you said as well about fantasizing someone else that you're having sex with a different partner because like the only long-term relationship I had, yes, the sex does get a bit kind of, and we, we, we did things to spice it up, but I know at the time I would have felt guilty thinking about somebody else just because it would have felt like I was like uh, betraying. So it was nice to read that and be like, oh no, that's okay.
1: Oh my God. So where Katie, maybe you can even throw your two cents in this. Where did we lose our ability in our society to separate between a reality and fantasy? Yeah, like just, it, just because you're fantasizing about this person doesn't mean you actually want to have sex with them now here. It just it's just fun. It's just fun. And um I know women feel so guilty. I mean, I would say that a lot of women's sort of erotic fantasy life gets shut down because they feel so guilty. They feel guilty about fantasizing about other women. Oh my God, does that mean I'm a lesbian? Like seriously, you just like to fantasize about women and it whatever. And if you fantasize about Martians, it doesn't make you a Martian. Like you just you fan our erotic brains like to walk like to go wild. So um You know, they fantasize about somebody besides, are you seriously thinking to tell me that if you get into a long-term relationship you think you're going to spend the next 30, 40, 50 years thinking about that one person? Oh my God, kill me now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, why the hell? So, but women feel so guilty. And so they just shut it down. You know where else women feel guilty? It's so interesting with fantasies about being overpowered. Oh, like right. what we think of as rape fantasies and women are like, they, they're like, I shouldn't be thinking about that. I shouldn't. It's terrible. It's not PC. It's wrong. There's no consent. And I'm like, listen, nobody could be more pro consent than I am. Having said that, let's let's break down that fantasy for a second. Right. You're making up the guy. Let's say it's a guy. Let's say it's two guys. You're making them up. You know exactly what they look like. You're deciding what they look like. You're deciding how they break into your house or whatever. You're deciding exactly what they're going to say to you and when. You're like the puppeteer, right? Mm-hmm. You are telling them exactly what things to say to turn you on. And then you're telling them exactly when to stop. It's all in your head. You're controlling the situation 100%. So, in what way does this even vaguely, vaguely smack of like real rape or real? Like, it's just a totally different thing. So, relax chill chill out everybody like your fantasy is just your fantasy it's fine you're you know and and the more you can embrace it Katie the better you get at it so that is a really good way to go after desire
0: that's great that is really great for people to hear because I know myself this is going to sound maybe even slightly different, but if I'm watching a show and someone is getting assaulted on it, I do get a little turned on and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Just because I don't know. I don't want to want anybody to be assaulted, but I know something about like that kind of power. Yes.
1: Thank you for saying that. There's something about, you know, how how many women are in my office saying, oh my God, you know, I love my husband. I'm so glad I'm with him or with my partner. I'm just so glad he's amazing. He's loving, he's caring. He brings me gifts But I fantasize about the guy from high school who's in prison, who's like the motorcycle dude. Like, what is the matter with me? And I'm like, that was hot. And that's fine. And the more we acknowledge that and the more you say, that's okay, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, and so yes, these Power and sex are very complicated. And for many, many women, this idea of being so attractive and so desired that somebody's gonna break the rules to have you is a very hot fantasy. Now that does not mean you want to have it in real life. And that does not mean it is okay for anybody to push sex on anybody else but it is okay to fantasize about those things and it is okay to get pleasure in that and get turned on Katie and I'm so glad you just said that because I feel like most people wouldn't admit it and it's so important for people to hear that Katie so important you are a amazing I love you
0: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I like yeah I try to say it all if that makes sense because yes know, yeah it's I think scary. also that it takes power out of it as well when you say stuff out loud you're like ah oh, it's not that big of a deal
1: Right. So if you watch a scene where somebody is being overtaken in some way, raped or somebody and you get turned on and you use that to go back to your partner and make them feel more loved and you to feel more loved, then it's great. Like you've just made the world a better place.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like what how even you said now this is slightly different, but you said it's like having an affair without an affair. So I guess like yes. this, it's like you're not gonna walk down a dodgy street just because you enjoy this, but you can kind of replay it in your head when, and when you And you wouldn't partner. enjoy it if you walked down a dodgy oh, street. No. I don't know. You, you'd be like scared as shit. You well, know? that's like, why I that's why I feel guilty and I'm sure that's why other women feel guilty because you're like, I wouldn't really want this to happen but yeah, I feel turned on. So it's like, so. I think that we have to
1: separate between like yeah. fantasy and reality and that exactly. the more we do that, the better.
0: Yep. No, that's great to hear. That's going to, it's going to be great for the listeners to hear as well. So then the other one was orgasm, which I only started orgasm over here. For me, it was in, I never masturbated at home. Now I know I need to masturbate in sex to orgasm even if I was near orgasm at home, I didn't like the release of the control and there was a bit of shame and stuff. So it was just taking the effort to work. Like I spent like nights here, just banging away at myself with my hand, trying to make it work. And She's a vibrator? No, I did it with my hand. I didn't get a vibrator until I started this podcast. And um, this woman, she's called Sex Shopper. She lives in Ireland. She's American, but she sells a lot of great sex toys. And so she gave me one to try out and then she gave me another one. And now sometimes I'll use it. Sometimes I'll use my hand depending on like, if I need that, if I'm tired or like, it's like with the points, if I'm tired or I've had a stressful week, I'm going to need the vibrator. My hand isn't going to be able to go to town. Or, or gonna... And if you
1: only have a minute and a half and you want to, yes, I, I totally, I, yes, I did my PhD thesis on vibrators with women. Wow. That's what, that was yeah. my dissertation was on vibrators with women. Cause I think, I think vibrators are like the most underused tool in a women's sexual arsenal. Like it just makes it fun, easier to have orgasm. So that's why all the all those times you were struggling how long did it take you when you were working on the orgasm to have it like how long did you work on it before you had it um
0: uh, orgasm i'd say it was a few months at least like working on masturbating and stuff and just right. getting over that right. feeling of um that losing explosion control. and control yeah losing control which actually in turn made my brain better for actual real life stuff and like i was obviously like oh i was very regimented in my lifestyle and since then i'm that was maybe uh, five years ago four or five years no probably less actually maybe we were doing the podcast too and I think it was about three years ago three or four I started orgasming properly I can't really remember I wish I'd wrote it down but I definitely feel like I'm a much chiller person but maybe that's also grown up growing up but I do think there is something very frustrating when you're trying to orgasm or you're having sex and it's not working that it can it's just very agitating
1: Oh, for sure. And there's people need to understand there's a lot of neurological factors that go into this too. Like your nerves have to have a certain amount of stimulation in order to translate to the brain orgasm. And your brain has to kind of learn that pathway. So a lot of women who are learning will sometimes talk about their first orgasm as it almost feels like it was ripped out of them. Like it almost feels like it just, it was like, oh wow. Like that felt like Something would happen. It was good, but it was also weird. And and then your brain is like, "Oh my god! Now, now I know what she wants. Now I could do it. I can repeat it. It's much easier the second time." Yeah. And I feel like vibrators can make that so external vibrators that go on the clitoris can just make that so much easier for for women. And the more that we say it's fine to bring a vibrator into partnered sex, like there's so much sex that you're just having by yourself that people use vibrators for, and then people are often ashamed to use vibrators when they're having sex with a partner and I feel like well that's ridiculous like you know we use electric lights we don't expect everything to be candles right you know we use glasses if you can't see so if you're somebody who orgasms with the vibrator then bring the vibrator into your partner's sex like it should be a normal part of sex
0: yeah, my last two years of partners i have always used a vibrator or ever since I got it from Sex Shopper. So actually, that's probably a lie. So a year and a half, I've, I've everybody who's
1: listening, here again and again and again. Every time she has sex with a partner, she brings in the vibrator. And these
0: well, are not every time, but every partner I have. Yeah, so, that's what I mean. Yeah, yes. yeah. There has been times where I haven't, and my hand has been fine. But cer- certain times where your hand cramps up, I always have the vibrator close by. Partners have asked me as well um a couple of partners have been like oh like our first sex they've been like oh if you have a toy if you want to bring it in but they've obviously been with women who that is amazing baby. yeah at least two, oh two my god two of my partners in the last two and a half years have
1: this is changed. where I feel like the world is changing in a really good way because I sometimes talk to older women women even women in their 30s you know or 40s and like they all are like oh I, I feel like I shouldn't use a vibrator he's gonna think there's something wrong with me
0: and I'm like Ugh. Yeah, use yeah. it. It's like my best friend. I use it like I use my vibrator at least twice a week. I masturbate a lot, though. I'm mad horny. When like that WAP song came out, I was like, "That's me." I'm just walking down the road. I look like a tree, and I'm thirty as well. So it's not. I'm not. I'm not like super yeah. No, no. no but I feel like yes. I feel like I came later to the to the table, and I never right. like when I was reading some of your stories. I was like, I felt like empathy for those women because I don't want to ever lose that. So you know it's great even learning about menopause because you're like okay at least now I'll know when that comes that if if I do lose it one thing I'll say about for me why vibrators are so amazing because I I don't know if any other women have experienced this where where they're about to orgasm and they can't and there's that feeling of regret okay and it feels like shame and then you don't get the pleasure so it kind of links with the shame whereas and your hand can't go further because you're kind of enjoying it whereas the vibrator you can't you you can't not lose you have to lose control because it's not going to stop it's going to keep going and it gets you to that place because your hands sometimes link with your brain being like oh this isn't right it cramps up it's not so I just think the vibrator for when you're not in that headspace is like god
1: (laughs) It's it's a total no it's so funny when people always ask me like do, do you get dependent on your vibrator? That's the question I get all the time. Do you get, and so neurologically, nothing changes. You're not damaging your nerves, nothing is changing. So it's really important for people to know that. But it does raise the threshold of the much stimulation you need temporarily. So like if you wanted to stop using the vibrator, you may have to stop for a couple of weeks and this is not for everybody, this is some women. And then you can go, go back to your old thresholds. But what I tell women is, it's kind of like cooking dinner. If I knew that I could like, you know, wiggle my nose and have dinner on the table, I would often choose not to sit there and chop and saute and, you know, cause it's just so much more work. So I would get dependent on the nose wiggling cause it would be easy to make dinner that way. But there'd be plenty of times I'd also be saying like, no, tonight I have time and it would be really fun to like chop and dice and saute and, you know, flambe or whatever the hell I'm not a great cook. Um, so that's how I think of it with the vibrator. It just yes. makes it easier.
0: So that's why, that's why I was like saying when I say I don't always use it, but with every partner I have, but sometimes I'm just like, okay, I don't mind getting there slowly. Also, I'm at a place where I know what I like. So, um, but, but there'll be times where we'll go to have sex and I'll just be tired or my hand will be cramping up. So then I'll grab it. I'm not going to have any, like, you like, oh, I wish I could get to a place that I can get. Yes.
1: No. So that is exactly a hundred percent where I feel like it makes sense to keep, the vibrator like do whatever you want to do and if you're not getting super turned on or it's taking too long or you're just really turned on but you can't quite get there just pull out the vibrator like yeah yeah
0: so, and most most lads like if there's a lad i feel like i none, none of the lads since i've had it have had a problem with it they're like oh i'm delighted i don't want to have to figure out this puzzle <laughs> like,
1: no and it makes their life so much yeah. easier it just makes their like easier and And this I also say to women, like they love watching you get turned on and have an orgasm. Like that's such a turn on to them. So like, why would you not want them to be able to be part of that?
0: I know I couldn't believe that no one told me about masturbation. And secondly, that no one told me to touch myself during sex. Like it's literally been like, like watching lads get so turned on when I'm masturbating. I'm like, oh my God, if I had known that, if I had just been like, this is fine to do, it would have changed my sex life.
1: Do you, know, do you watch Bridgerton? Have you watched yeah. the show Bridgerton? I shared so- your cape on my Instagram story. Oh, that's okay. All right. because, because they did that so well, right? He tells her how to masturbate. Like that was on, that was like, I wanted to jump off the sofa and cheer. Um, A, he tells her how to masturbate. And two, the first time they have sex together, he says to her, use your hand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I was like, Jesus, that's based 200 years ago. And still today, people don't don't know about that. We actually had a woman write in and she said she's struggling with orgasm in with a partner but can do it solo. Do you have any quick advice for that? But it could be multiple. It could be any of those point factors. It's probably better if she goes on and takes your test.
1: Okay. So no, I have a lot of questions. I'm like looking at you funny because I'm thinking, what does that even mean? Does that mean that she can do it with her own hand and she can do it with a vibrator? Yeah. Or but she can't do it with intercourse because almost nobody, three out of 10 women can have an orgasm from intercourse. You know that, right? This yeah, I don't know that. That's,
0: I can't, I've never orgasmed from. Okay, so um, if you know. she's
1: thinking that only three out of 10 women can have an orgasm from intercourse, 30%, 70 to 80% can have one with a hand or a mouth and yeah. 95% can have one with a vibrator. So those are the statistics that people should keep in mind. So if she's saying I can't have it, orgasm from intercourse, there's nothing wrong with you. If she's saying I can have them with my hand and a vibrator, but I can't have them when he's in the room with me. I think that's what she meant, yeah. So that is an interesting question. If that's what she meant, which I, then I have to say, like, is it because you're embarrassed to use your hands or a vibrator when he's in the room with you? Sort of like we were talking about, like, if somehow she feels like that's not an okay thing then we need to talk about that. And he needs to be understand that that is a perfectly normal thing. And you're hearing Katie say she does it all the time. And that's what you do when you're having sex with somebody else. You use your own hand. He uses his hand. He uses his mouth. You use your hand. You use a vibrator. All those things are 100% acceptable. If she's saying, well, I use my hand and I use a vibrator, but somehow I get stuck with him in the room. That's you know, I somehow just can't get back which is very rare. But if that is really what she's saying, then usually what I suggest is that people sort of do this in like stages, like have him be in the bathroom next to the room or have him be in the bed next to you with the lights off, but not touching you while you masturbate.
2: Yeah. If,
1: people get past it really fast. So, oh, but I think great. we defining what she's actually saying is really, really important here so that we could be helpful to her.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. So she didn't define exactly what she was saying, but I'd say as well, there's other women as well who feel, um you know, when you were saying it's not all in your head, but I think there is aspects of it being in your head when I know that I've had friends who are embarrassed by how they look. And I think that comes into even just life in general. Like if you fall over, if you laugh at yourself, then it's funnier, you know? So it's kind of like, if you're nervous about your face, you're pulling, it's like, you're hot no matter what. Like.
1: Totally, totally. Sex education had a whole, had a whole episode on the fact that she wasn't, she she kept pulling a pillow over her face when she was having orgasm, remember yeah, I because she it. was so embarrassed about that, and I do think we call that sex therapist call that spectatoring. when you when you can't let go because you're too busy watching yourself, kind um, of see how you're doing, yeah. um, and I, I, that is it is a it is hard to get out of that, um, but. Uh, and sometimes people suggest that marijuana is really helpful for that. And there was a section in my book where I'm like, I can't really talk about marijuana because it's not really legal in New York now. And I read that, <laughs> but, um, but, but you can do a lot of like, sort of learning to love yourself and learning to love your body is really, yeah. is really a big piece of this as well.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And just kind of like, I think, cause I think, I definitely think I would have been like that as well. So for anybody listening, but I think a big thing of it was just being like, fuck it. Like, you know, you're not going to, you are who you are. You are what you look like. If you think you're hot shit, everybody else is going to think you're hot shit. Like I have one friend here and I mean, he's not good looking. No offense to him. He's not a good looking lad, but he is hot because he walks around like he fucking is the most confident fecker I've ever met he's so attractive but if you actually looked at him you'd be like this is not an, a physically attract but it's confidence he walk you know he walks the walk he talks the talk or whatever and it's inspirational because you're like yeah actually and some of the most, yeah some of the most if you just actually think you're attractive and you're enjoying yourself it's like that's so much more attractive than if you were like if you're my oh my god my mascara leaked on my face totally. nobody sees that So
1: I I have to say something, which is like this. I actually haven't talked about it almost in any other podcast I've done. So, so I a year ago had bariatric surgery, which also does a whole sets your hormones. We there's so much we don't understand. It just resets your hormones. It has very little to do with what you're eating and much more. Oh, it's when they cut away part of your stomach.
0: Okay, okay. It's
1: like weight loss. It's weight loss surgery. So I lost like close to hundred pounds, right? So the reason I'm saying this is because I used to be, I'm five feet tall and I used to be close to hundred pounds, 90 pounds more than I am now. And I think I was still really hot and sexy. And I really, and honestly, between you and me, my boobs were way better then than they are now. <laughs> they are way better. And I wasn't, now look, I was lucky because I was in a situation where I was with a partner who thought I was hot and sexy and beautiful, but, I'm telling you, as somebody who sees women all over the place, your size, because I know I hear this from women all the time, They think, oh, my God, he must be looking at my jiggly stomach. Oh, my God. He thinks you're hot because you're in the room with him and he thinks you're hot and he loves looking at your body and your skin is beautiful. And we have to get out of our heads and stop thinking that we have to look like supermodels and be skinny in order to be yeah. sexy. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I'll even give you a good example. I've I, I had uh, acne all over my arse, like bad, uh, bad arse Bad acne, arse, 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 whatever, and I went. I ended up going to dermatology again and fix. But the whole time I was seeing this guy who I have actually talked about in the podcast, and he, he, um, it just didn't work out. But this is one thing I will say that was really good about him. We were seeing each other for three months. Eventually, ended up getting the cream, and we hooked up a month later. And I was like, oh, "Look how great my arse looks!" And I, I, I love doggy style. Doggy style is my favorite. And he was like, "What are you talking about? It always looked like that." And I was yeah. like, well, "You never noticed my acne all over my arse?" He goes no I never he was like you didn't and I was like I did but see this is the thing people don't it's like if I have I have a spot I have a scar here you probably didn't notice that until I pointed that out because it's not something you wouldn't have even noticed now you probably say that I pointed out and I just never pointed out my acne arse but he he was just like like, no I just was enjoying the moment I was in the moment it's never anything so it's it's, it's,
1: we need to like I'm telling you like I feel like
0: anybody looking at me would say, oh my God, you must feel
1: like so much hotter now. And I didn't do the surgery because how I looked, I did it because I couldn't move as much. Like I love to dance and I love to walk and I just couldn't do that anymore. But like, if I tell you, I laugh, my boobs were so much better when I was fatter. They just was. And like, believe me at every size and shape, you can feel something like there's something wrong with your body. Or you can say, like you said, fuck it. This is my body. I am beautiful. I am hot. And you know what? There is something to fake it till you make it. Act hot, act beautiful, act confident. And you know what? You start feeling that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. And like that, like, like me and my roommate, she's a massive arse. And I'm always like, oh, I'd love that arse. And she's always like, oh, your stomach's so flat. I'd love your stomach. So it's like, we're we've, you can go down that road, you can find everything. Exactly. We just so do this
1: to ourselves. Don't we? It's crazy. Yeah
0: also other things you said okay so that I wanted to hit on okay so so arousal desire orgasm and then pain what does pain look like and I know a friend who has vaginismus Vaginismus. yeah so that's a good one for women to know that there's like actual real condition oh my god I will just tell you vaginismus is a condition where
1: you either can't get a penis in the vagina or it just hurts like hell you can get it and it hurts like hell um you're looking at me like it's One out of 10 women have this. This is what's really crazy. Like one out of 10, it's really common. And every woman who has it, or most of them, feel like it's only them. It's like this dirty secret that nobody knows about. There's something wrong with them. They're totally broken. Um, They go down this deep, dark rabbit hole. I mean, I almost feel like I can meet women and within 20 minutes of talking to them, no, because some of them just don't date or they just, it's, it's just really, they get into it. And I will tell you that when somebody calls me up and says I have vaginal pain and they call our center, it's not like I can say we can cure everything. We're not magic, right? But I can promise you that if you have vaginal pain in 99.9999 we can make it better. And imaginism in general tends to have, talk about tight muscles, your muscles are tightening up and your brain and your vagina have stopped communicating. And so you need to work on both of those things, getting your brain kind of going and connected to your vagina and getting your muscles to relax and allow entrance of a penis. And we have a lot of ways of treating it and it's a hundred percent treatable. And um, I know I'm laughing a little bit, Katie, because, you know, people go to my, you know, Instagram, Dr. Rachava. I, I sometimes do lives with vaginismus patients. Every vaginismus patient who walks in says, but I'm the worst one. You've never seen anybody as bad as me and you're not gonna be able to help me. Like that is every single that, And I'm telling you, I have seen somebody as bad as you, I can help you. And it is totally treatable. And do not be like those women who have come in after 11 years of being married or 21 Mm. years of being married and who just have, it's sort of destroyed their sex life because you can have good sex without intercourse but usually people feel so crappy about themselves that they just avoid it. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have vaginismus or pain of any sort, don't let it like definitely read the book but get help get help because it, yeah. I, it's not worth letting your life be destroyed by this when it's so treatable
0: and like two of my girlfriends have it so that's and I'm sure that's just one two that have opened up about it so I'm sure there's probably more so. send them to me I will oh. make them better <laughs> you should do a live actually with Riley Lassen she's a comedian she works for some um, radio shows she's great but she talks about it openly so she might be a great person for you guys to do an Instagram live together um, she talks about using her name Riley Lassen introduce us. I'll introduce you introduce oh, she's us. amazing because she has um, oh my ovary God. cysts and she also talks about having to get wigs and really really amazing oh, and like wow. how she's talked about to me anyway she's talked and I've heard her talk about it on podcasts. but having to um you know slowly incorporate penis into her life I don't think she's had a lot of intercourse because of this right so.
1: right right yeah. I, it makes of all the things this makes me the status because it's so treatable. Now she may have endometriosis she might have extra other things on top of it. But for people who have that straight vaginismus, which is most women, it is so fixable and so not complicated. Like we had a patient who came in 11 years, she was married. They weren't having any kind of physical contact anymore because she felt so crappy about herself. Yeah. Her husband went off and had an affair. So she finally came in 10 weeks later, she was 100% fine.
2: Yeah. Like it
0: was so treatable. Well, I think that this works for, like for everything. And I know for Irish people specifically, and then there's people who listen to the podcast who aren't Irish, but feel, um, a similar thing that in our culture it is you always just go everything's grand so you don't talk about it you just keep getting on with things getting on with things is a big thing and I think that's actually very bad and I think like for me with the acne iris it took me two years before I went to the dermatologist that's ridiculous I should have just went and then when I went it it was cleared up in a month so it's like whatever problem or my roommate I just forced her to go to the gynecologist she hasn't gotten a smear test in like at least her whole life maybe and she's in her 30s does she have edginessness no 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 but this was just let's say um a smear test just for HPV but only for like as in oh. I think people don't go won't go to the doctor they won't go ask about things they won't go get things fixed why does she want to go to the
1: doctor
0: oh because it just seems like a bit of an effort like oh, I, oh i'm fine okay. i don't need to get yeah. a smear test and i'm like you're fucking 33 you could have yes. a cancerous hpv and right. it's only because i keep like ramming it down her throat she's like i'll fucking go but like right. it's just you know it's like if you have anything like any little just go and talk about it like instead of just like you said just living with it it's like people are like metaphorically cutting themselves a bit like a bit of a self-torture yes. like why yes. wouldn't I just go get the simple fix
1: I think it's because there's so much shame involved shame, but they feel yeah. like they they're just they feel like they're really broken and
0: or the fear to hear out it's something worse like I'm sure my roommate she was probably like oh, I don't want to find out if it's some cancerous HPV I'd rather just not wake up one day you know because you're just the fear of not
1: yeah no I think that that's true so it's great that you're getting that message out
0: yeah What else I want to oh you said intercourse is or sex is not just intercourse. That was brilliant to hear. Okay, so it's
1: you've used it a few times since then. I was like, okay, but don't interrupt Kadian corrector. So no, yeah, no, it's great. Yes, no, no, no. So yes, I'm always saying that intercourse and sex are not the same thing. They're not synonymous. You know, it kills me because I feel like this is a man's world, like a man's, you know, idea that you know, sex is intercourse for most women. The most pleasurable part of sex may not be intercourse. Some women it is, but oral sex is sex. Using your hands is sex. Using a vibrator on somebody or on shelf with the person there, all of those things are sex. Um, intercourse is great. I'm all about intercourse. You should be able to have intercourse, but it's just one way of having sex. And the more we separate out those things, Katie, the better a sex life we'll have. Because if you keep thinking of sex as just being intercourse, it gets freaking boring. Like it
0: gets yeah. freaking boring. Right? I will. I will um, say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's great for the male listeners to hear this too, because I think more and more men are having performance anxiety, or, and I think taking the pressure off intercourse. Like I know my last partner would have performance anxiety, and I was like when you do, when you lose it, we can just do the other stuff. Actually, I the other stuff is just as pleasurable for me. And that took a lot of pressure. And then in turn, he ended up not having performance anxiety anymore because he was like, oh, if I, if it kind of, if I lose it, I can just, and I'm like, yeah, yeah that's actually I squirt from hand stuff. So, <laughs> you
1: know, hey, you, we're going to give you an honorary sex therapist degree, <laughs> hey. because that is totally, no, you are the, the, the sex therapist on the men's side, Paul Nelson. He's constantly saying that to guys. He's like, you know, stop telling me about your penal problems. We're going to fix those. But, you know, you have 10 fingers and 10 toes and you have lips and you have a mouth and you have a tongue. And there's a lot of things you can do with those things that are more pleasurable to your female partner than your stupid penis that you're just so obsessed with. So, um, you know, so can we just add that in turn does exactly what you just said, which all of a sudden the men are like, oh. This poor little penis does not have to get all the pressure all the time because it's not the be all and end all of sex. And where we came with this idea that the bigger, the harder, the thruster, the better is just not the case. I'm just not the case. Most women do not like a huge penis. Some women do, but most women I get way more complaints about a penis that's too big than a penis that's too small. Women do not like a big penis and they certainly don't like pounding. I mean, some women do like it again and some women like pounding sometimes but big penis is pounding, which is like, it seems to be like the gold standard these days. Like where the fuck did that come from? I want to know. Like it's so ridiculous. So,
2: yeah.
1: so we need to really change the mentality of what sex is. Sex is, I I like to call sex anything where one person or more people together are trying to have an orgasm. That would make it, Sex as opposed to cuddling or kissing or making out, or right, but that doesn't mean you succeed in having an orgasm. And it could be five people and it could be one person. And and oral sex is sex, and using a hand is sex, and using a vibrator is sex. And if you and I climb into bed naked and we like are all over each other, and then we both masturbate to, to orgasm, that's really good sex,
0: yeah, yeah. And I like what you said as well about the thump and pounding thing. I don't know, and a lot of women complain about that as well. And I think for for men they just think maybe that they're because I know my last partner he would do the tumpy to pound thing he was a bit younger but I carefully brought in I was like I think that might be also not helping with your erection because you're getting overheated you're sweating like let's just take it slow and he was like oh okay I thought that and I'm like no I definitely want slow (laughs) because because while you're pounding I can't get to where I want to get to in my head and I know so and there's some women who love that but I think it's like also yeah. Just having that conversation. But I think for a man, like if you're not a hundred percent fit and you're trying to bang away and you're sweating, of course you're going to lose your erection.
1: I mean, honestly, I think that's porn. I think men watch porn and they see these guys like slamming away and the women are like looking like they enjoy it. When most women are like, if you're under a guy who's pounding away, <laughs> you're like, Oh my God, this is Jackhammer
0: city. I feel like <laughs> yeah and then you and, you and then for the guy if you hear a girl be like are you nearly gonna come it's probably yes. because they're like can I just get this done you're banging away at me just just,
1: just finish up no it's totally you're 100 and then sometimes also to be fair kiddies that guys have started masturbating like very hard with their hands really really hard and then they need to do the pounding in the vagina so then, if you're a guy and you're listening to this slow it down, try to get, try to just take it easier with the masturbating, try to use your hand a little gentler, try to just be sort of make the whole thing a little bit more slow and a little less poundy and thumpity thump or whatever. And then you'll be able to do it better in a vagina without causing your partner to like, Get a hole ripped
0: through her. <laughs> That's actually great because some. I just put up a little question box, like any any quick questions for today. And a guy wrote in: "Is is it, um, is masturbating too much uh, a problem?" And it is interesting that you say that because I know the last partner he had to when I was saying all this stuff, he, he definitely would masturbate really hard, and he was like, "Oh, i think I need to stop watching porn and masturbating as much," and that helped him a little bit as well. So like it was nearly like the hundred points for the man too. Yes. Next. He also started drinking green tea as well. So I don't know what was working, but he was trying everything in fairness to him.
1: No, exactly. So, uh, you know, usually you you can't masturbate too much really, unless it's getting in the way of your life, but you can masturbate the wrong way. You can masturbate in a way that makes it just not easily transferable to sex with somebody else. I guess, you know, if you masturbate all the time, all day long, it you know, it does sometimes it's harder to get another erection and ejaculate, you know, so for all those reasons, like, just take it easy, take a chill pill, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, so it is actually so even for lads, this 100 point system can work as well in regards to looking at your life, your diet, your mental health, your physical health, all of yes. this stuff. So it's yes. all just kind of like taking a step back and being like, what? i um, like, because even I read up like, oh, well, you Oh, because you said something sometimes too much serotonin can be bad for orgasms, Correct. but there's not a yes. lot of research. And then I read up that a lot of your diet is really important for sex so i think you mentioned shbg we tried to do an episode on it me and a different girl but I, we still weren't able to figure out what the shgb really is she was a scientist
1: SHBG, sex- oh yeah binding globulin yeah why is that while you're here it's a protein that your body makes that binds up to the testosterone so let's say your body has 50 milligrams of whatever 50 your it has 50 molecules of testosterone running around and this SHBG grabs it so it makes it not usable for the rest of your body so it's not you so one of the things we measure when people come to our center is how much testosterone do you have and how much shbg do you have because your shbg is going to hold that testosterone and not let your testosterone move around your body so that's bad shbg you want low shbg and diet can affect that um so i haven't seen a lot of research on that i'd be curious i haven't seen but i do know birth control pills can affect it it gives you a very, very high SHBG. So for example, if your testosterone comes back at, I don't know, 50, but your SHBG is 120, now you have almost no testosterone because even though your testosterone would be fairly normal, there's only two parts that are left circulating in your body, right? So does that make sense or no? Kind of, but so you need- If your birth control pills raise this SHBG and this SHBG grabs onto whatever testosterone you have- It's gonna affect is- your- Exactly, so- you, getting off birth control pills can lower your SHBG, and your SHBG then leaves the testosterone to, to circulate and for you to
0: use it in your body. And the testosterone for women helps with arousal, right? Desire, and desire. arousal, and possibly orgasm. Wow. See, and for, even- men, and for men, and for it's
1: exactly the same thing as for men, and for it's just more direct. And so for men, um, for men, for men, it's like a light switch when their desire drops, and often if they're um, they're abusing like steroids. They can shut down their own testosterone production, which makes it harder for them to get turned on or have libido. You know, but for men, if you give them back their testosterone, you see it like this. I'm snapping; you can't hear on this podcast. But for women, you give them testosterone, it really helps. It's a little more slow and a little more gradual, and we're very careful in how we do it. But it can have a huge impact as you get older. You have babies.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to hear that there's just so many possible solutions. Right, I'm just trying it. All. There are so many of them. And I think we covered this. You were talking about, okay, because we said fantasy. So that was limerence. Limerence? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, limerence is the new, the newness of the relationship. So like the novelty. Is, yes, and that has to do with sort of trying to figure out what things were, the elements that went into a new relationship that gave you all those points, like the, the, the little bit of nervousness, the little bit of insecurity, you know, the, the unknown, the little more dangerous piece of it.
0: Which is great. I love this. There was a story. I won't ruin it because people need to read the book, but there was a story about a woman who loved her husband for all of the great qualities, but didn't have the danger quality that we were kind of saying early and then bringing that in. But for people, definitely read that chapter because that was like something that I think I absolutely date narcissists Um. Uh, it's has been a string of narcissists and kind of egotistical men and the sex is amazing and then the last partner was a very kind nice and the qualities I would want there but you know there was a lot of so for me I'm like okay I want to find a nice uh, a person I could build a life with but also keep that kind of like but yeah but not stay with someone because of the sex (laughs) well no but I
1: think that that I think yeah I have a whole chapter on that I think it's such a Right. We want to marry, we want to marry or partner with people who are good and kind and supportive, but we can't whitewash them of all their, what they want and their aggression and their, like their, their, their deep emotions, because that's in the end is very hot. And that's so
0: true. so true because the last guy I was dating was very nice and sweet and stuff but he got pissed off at me one of the days and I was like oh hello there you go I'm gonna
2: put you in my next book Katie
0: oh my god but I I do need to go
1: because I uh
0: okay great thank you so much I will say to end this uh episode for women to listen to the or for men even there's like the thing about um Myths on male sexuality. That was the last thing I wanted to say, but that was brilliant as well. So I think anybody who that's a really good chapter to read because I think we have a lot of myths that's not true. And it's yeah, that like men are actually just more like us in what they need and want. So I thought that was Yeah, great... that's
1: the chapter called Men Are From Mars. Maybe we have to start exploring Mars a little bit more.
0: Yeah, it's right? great. Because like, yeah. we put all these perceptions on our partners and it's like they're not thinking yeah. that you just it's like going, Oh, I'm dating an Irish girl, she must be a drunk. I'm not yeah, it's, it's <laughs> interesting. Not...
1: Yes, that yes. um, That is hysterical. No, um, thank you so much thank for you having so me on. Much. This was such a fun conversation. And you are like, I feel like I should put you in the book. Because yeah, I like I'd you love should, to be. I'll be in the yeah, well. book. It was so great, Katie. And you and I have to get together to do a tea thing at some point.
0: Absolutely, I'd love that, and I'll link you with Riley. And I'm going to put all your information in the in the bio, and and I'll put your Instagram handle and everything. So thank you. What is your Instagram handle, actually, so people can? Doctor Bacheva, D R,
1: okay. like Doctor Bacheva, B-A-T-S-H-E-V-A. The name we can pronounce. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank. I'm blowing your
1: kiss. Bye. Bye.
0: Hey everybody, thank you for listening. Please go follow Dr. ratchava on Instagram. Her link will be in the description of this po- of this episode and um I love you all. And thanks for always listening and I hope you're having a lovely week. And again, feel free to dm or email your stories or advice or anything um you want us to talk about uh, or any guests you want on um i have a few uh exciting guests coming up um in the next few weeks so yeah and look if you can rate review all of that and if you want to sign up to the patreon the video for this is on the patreon and uh, so forward slash the shift podcast and this as usual the solo apps are up there as well so yeah thank you so much bye